Hello, and welcome to the RamGad Pod, the Realtors Association of Maui Government Affairs Director podcast. I am your host, Jason Economou, and this is my podcast. Thursday episodes generally feature an interview between me and a guest, but I've decided to try something a little different this week. Instead of an interview, today's episode is audio from a panel discussion I was a part of at the recent Maui Nui Attainable Housing Forum, presented by the County of Maui Office of the Mayor, the Department of Housing and Human Concerns, and the Maui Chamber of Commerce. The event was held at the Maui Arts and Cultural Center on October 16, 2019. This particular panel discussion was focused on community engagement and coming together. The panel was moderated by Pamela Eaton from the Department of Planning and featured Stan Franco, Housing Chair for Stand Up Maui, Salmalu Mata'afa, Executive Assistant in the Department of Management, Rick Nava, Chairman of the Board of the Maui Chamber of Commerce and Director of the West Maui Taxpayers Association, Joe Pluta, Vice President of the West Maui Taxpayers Association, Bruce Uu, Hawaii Field Representative at the Hawaii Regional Council of Carpenters, our old friend, Michael Williams, president of Maui Tomorrow, and myself, Jason Economou, Government Affairs Director for RAM. This panel featured some great ideas and thoughtful discussion, and I thought it was worth sharing. I hope you enjoy. Discussing is essentially community engagement. How might community engagement play into the provision or lack thereof of housing in terms of some of the challenges um, dealing with NIMBY, uh, political will, on those types of issues. Um, so what we're going to do is we're starting out with each one of our speakers, which have about three minutes, and then we've got a set of questions to ask and uh, hopefully audience engagement. So the first person we're going to start with is Salmalu Mataha, who's with um, the mayor's office, or the MD's office, I should say. It was a change. And uh, this came up a couple times in our last panel. Um, but Samalu is basically um, is very involved and leads the Attainable Housing for Maui Nui Task Force. So Samalu, this work. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here. My name is Samalu Mataafa, and I work with the Department of Management in the County of Maui. Um, a little bit of background. I started with the county in 2017, uh, working with the council originally, and. Uh, I was put on the Housing, Human Services, and Transportation Committee with uh, former council member Stacy Crivello. And uh, when the term was over, I transitioned over into the administration for Mayor Michael Victorino, and which led me to working for the Department of Management eventually a few months later for Sandy Boz. And around April, uh, we started this group called the Attainable, uh, Attainable Housing for Maui Nui Task Force. And we really wanted to look at uh, different different areas where we can improve housing for our community and so the group serves two functions and the two functions that it serves uh, the first one being is we take housing projects when they're at the conceptual phases so 2.97 projects which is uh, part of Maui County Code and then also 2 on H projects which is part of HRS we really want to get to these projects at the very beginning when they're just ideas starting off as ideas and looking at you know what we can do as a county um, to help facilitate you know, and get these projects through uh, the process of, that the county has currently. Um, so the players in this task force, you know, we have all the uh, infrastructure com uh, departments, which are public works, water, um, environmental management. We also have planning on board, housing, and then corporation council. And we all work together, all the department heads come together at these meetings, and we look at these projects and we give developers feedback. Uh, so it's a really useful tool, especially for you know developers who are new to this and 
are trying to wet their feet uh, on Maui and trying to develop housing. To get used to some of the county processes and you know to hear back from the department heads uh, on areas where they can you know look for and to make changes before you know it gets too expensive before they're about to submit their projects to council. The other area that we look at uh, with the Amen meeting groups are uh, actually strategic planning. And so we had a meeting uh, about a month ago to look at specific um, action items for some of the obstacles that the county faces. And uh, it's still in development, but we are working through those issues and you know trying to figure out how we can scope these action items down to really make a difference and make housing more available for our community. Um, so we have a, another meeting coming up and, uh, and I'm, I'm glad to say that it's really making uh, a big difference uh, in the community and hopefully for Maui County as a whole. Right. So Maui, thank you. Thank you very much. Our next speaker is Rick Nava, who is Chairman of the Board of the Maui Chamber of Commerce. He is an owner and president of MSI Maui since 2007. In addition, he's a member of the Rotary Club of Lahaina and director of the West Maui Taxpayers Association. Thank you. It's actually nice to see Asomalo here um, being involved with the Rotary Club of Lahaina and seeing him return to Maui here. Um, we actually got to interview him, really nervous, and to hear him speak this way today. Nice to see you back here on Maui. Thank you. And this is the kind of things that we would love to see for our youth to be able to return to Maui. But with the way the housing is right now, I have a son in, in Vegas who's a teacher would love to come to Maui, and, but can do it. You know, I have a grandson that I've only seen one time. Even though they're in Vegas, I have two grandsons here. But these are the kind of things that I believe it is important for us to be a part of the community, to be engaged and what we can do. Because um, as the panel earlier was saying, is that pretty soon the only people that would be living here are those that can truly afford or those that are so old because they just want to come here and retire. But for us in Lahaina, where maybe Joe will be talking about it later on, where we do not have a hospital, even that's very hard. As a business owner in Lahaina, it is very, very difficult for me right now to find employees because most of them are on this side of the island. Fortunately for me, I have good enough employees that um, they actually come from Wailuku for a four o'clock shift and they, um, they live here on this side of the island at two o'clock just to make sure they're in Lahaina by four. Because the traffic is so unpredictable and it's making it very, very difficult for me because a lot of times I end up paying for them to come in just to come in early, which is fine because I'd rather have those employees there than not to have them at all. And of course, with the fire that's happening, it makes it even that much more difficult whereby we have to shut down our operation because four of my employees were on this side of the island and couldn't come through. So I know that's another part of the, you know, the challenge that we have, not only the, um, the housing, but the way the setup of the infrastructure right now. But um, Again, being my involvement with the, with the community, trying to understand what, how we can work together to make a difference in our challenge of this um, affordable, attainable workforce housing, or whatever we call it. Bottom line is that a lot of us can't really afford this affordable housing. So thank you for um, allowing me to be a part. Thank you for your perspective. <clears throat> Our next person who's going to speak is Stan Franco. Stan's a housing chair for Stand Up Maui, formerly FACE, I believe. Um, he helped found the Homeless Center in Wailuku and the feeding program at St. Teresa's Church, as well as serving as a child custody evaluator for the family court and the hospital, as the hospital chaplain at Maui Memorial Medical Center. So Stan, thanks for being here. Thanks for the introduction. I'm also a retired deacon in the Catholic Church, but we're not going to talk about religion. <laughs> <laughs> 
My experience with the housing crisis was in 1986 when Father Bob Turner and I created the first homeless shelter on Maui. And I've been speaking about the housing needs of Mauians ever since. So the question is community engagement. For me, the problem is, from my viewpoint, that the lack of community involvement in the housing development decisions of Maui County. And I'm going to present three ideas. There's a lot more, of course, that maybe can help bring the community into the discussion stages about development. First, I would, I would suggest creating a housing help center within the county administration. The, health center, the housing help center would be managed by one or more county employees with volunteers from the community. The general public would come in with their questions about how to navigate the county laws in the development of their properties and find answers from the staff and volunteers. This community engagement action will demonstrate that the county of Maui wants to help our residents with their housing questions. Second, we should pass a county ordinance which will require that all proposed developments need to have a minimum of three community meetings in the community plan area where the development is, is being proposed. These meetings should start at 5 p.m. or later and take place at a government facility to allow the largest public audience. Also, the announcement of this meeting should be done in one of our papers and on social platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This community engagement action will help residents have a say in developments early on, causing less objections when projects are at the council level. Third, we need to publicize the housing ordinance, ordinances which are created to increase attainable, affordable housing, like the building of accessory dwellings on of 500 square feet on any residential lot, the first time home buyers down, down payment plan, and many other similar legislation. Publicizing these policies will be done in the newspaper again and on social platforms. This community engagement action will inform residents on what laws they can take advantage of. These are just three ideas I'm putting out there. I'm sure there's much more that we can do to engage our community so that they feel part of the development of housing on this island. Thank you. That's great. Thank you, Stan. Our next speaker is uh, Jason Economo. Um, I probably butchered that. I'm sorry. Um, with the Maui Realtors Association. Um, Jason is the Government Affairs Director, and he previously worked as an attorney with a law firm in Wailuku, specializing in landlord-tenant law, civil litigation, and real estate transactions. Jason. Good morning, everybody. Um, hopefully, you can hear me without the microphone. Uh, I'm really honored. Actually, Jason, I hate to do this to you, but my buddy Carl will kick me in the oh. you-know-what. Thank you, because they're, they're recording this, and that way we can hear you. Thanks. Sorry about that. This is better. All right. I'm happy to be on this panel. Um, just by way of background, I'm currently the Government Affairs Director for the Realtors Association of Maui. Um, my background is in law. I was in, I'm an attorney since 2012 professionally, but I took a hiatus and I worked in international development in Uganda for about four years. Um, the reason why I bring that up is because that's really where I noticed the importance of community engagement. What we realized uh, working abroad was that for about the first year, we couldn't get anything done. 
Nobody trusted us. You go to a foreign country like Uganda, and everybody looks at you and they say, okay, thanks for coming on vacation and handing out candy, maybe some shoes, but you can leave now. We know you're going to be gone in a couple of weeks. Um, it wasn't until about a year in when people saw me in the community and they realized, oh, this guy is, is living here. He's, he's one of us now. We don't know when he's going to leave. We keep on asking him. We've, we've tried driving him away. It hasn't worked. Uh, and so after they saw me there for about a year, they said, okay, maybe we can work with you. And then suddenly projects started moving fast. Um, that's really where I noticed the importance of community engagement. Uh, we're going to touch on a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to touch on the NIMBY stuff. These guys um, together have a ton more experience than me. But one of the things that I, I want to bring it back to is the importance of all of us in our particular industries to get involved in community engagement. I love working for the realtors because uh, if you are on one of these nonprofit boards, uh, you raised your hand earlier, if you're on one of those boards, you've probably worked with a realtor. We're everywhere. We're, you know, Maui's lousy with realtors and they're all involved in the community. But we need more than just one sector. Um, and we also need to, to open up the discussion a bit more than just housing. It's great that we have all of these forums on how to get housing built. But if we look back at um, Lori's presentation earlier this morning, some people were saying, you know, that's dated information, that's from 2016. But that was valuable information because three of the, the top six impediments that I wrote down, uh, people can't qualify for a loan. Uh, down payments are too high. Monthly payments are too high. These are economic issues. Yes, increasing inventory will lower the cost of, of individual houses, and that's great. But really, when we get to the heart of the issue, it's that people on Maui and in Hawaii don't feel like there's economic opportunity or there legitimately isn't economic opportunity. I mean, as a, as a young attorney on Maui, um, you know, I'll, I'll disclose a little bit too much here. My starting salary was $60,000 a year. And when I came from Uganda, where I was making like $15,000 US a year, it's like, oh, 60, that's great. But then you get into the cost of living. I was lucky to get paid that much, and it's still put me in the same category as all these folks who are saying it's too high. Now, what's going to solve this? You know, maybe lowering mortgage rates, but the Fed's done that and it's had a positive impact on home ownership, but that's not enough. What we really need is everybody in the community to engage others and explain to them how credit scores work, how lending works, how savings work. These things are not intrinsic to, to individuals. And largely the reason why we know them um, is probably because we've been pretty lucky. We've been blessed to be born into families that might be of privilege or might know the building blocks to success. But these things are not innate in humans. So all of us, you know, we're going to talk about the, the housing uh, necessity, you know, the, the community engagement aspect to housing. Uh, but really, to get to the economic issue, I encourage you all. Get involved with your community and your employers. Push them to, to increase wages. Push them to donate time and money into efforts to, to increase people's uh, just economic literacy. And then that'll be one piece of this puzzle to help more people get in houses, to get more people qualified for housing. So I'll give the rest of my time back. Great. Thank you, Jason. Thanks very much. Um, our next speaker is Michael Williams. Uh, Michael is the president of Maui Tomorrow Foundation, and he's also the treasurer of Stand Up Maui. Uh, he's a board member of the Cool Community Association and a commissioner on the Maui County Cost of Government Commission. All right, Michael. 
Uh, good morning, and uh, thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity. Um, like Stan, I have basically three big ideas to suggest to you. Um, the first one is uh, something that Stand Up Maui, which is the successor to FACE uh, uh, Maui, the group that's been the, the main housing advocates here on the island for, for many, many years. We've come up with what we believe is the, the best, best solution to really have a plan to build 9,000 affordable homes if that's how many we need. And that is the county needs a comprehensive uh, plan for affordable housing that covers the whole island that includes a, a, a maps that show where the housing projects are going to go, where the new roads have to be, uh, schedules for when the infrastructure build-outs have to happen for uh, streets, um, sewers, water lines, and so on, um, spaces for schools, spaces for parks, and a schedule for when each of those things happen. The, the, the county administration is not equipped to do that itself and needs to go like it often does to an outside vendor. Um, to uh, produce such a plan. I think it will take a year. A huge part of creating such a plan will be community engagement in uh, all of the communities where we need affordable housing, you know, uh, uh, above Kaunapali and the Pili, above uh, Wailea and McKenna, and uh, probably somewhere around uh, Putunene. We, we, we need more planned communities, but we need a comprehensive plan. I, uh, we have produced a, a, a 10 page uh, request proposals that the county could issue uh, to, to get such a plan, and I brought 30 copies of that with me here. Two other things, though, that will need to happen in order to implement such a plan, if we can get it, <coughs> is the county needs to separate its housing uh, uh, department into its own place. Um, right now, it's, it's a small part of a larger department called Housing and Human Concerns. We need to have a separate housing department. Councilmember Molina has already said he's going to advocate for a charter amendment to create a separate housing department. Uh, it would be on the ballot next November, and it would be ready to take uh, force uh, in January of 2021. At the same time, we also need to create a county housing authority, which is a, essentially a community development corporation. The reason we need that, and we just went through the financing section, um, <clears throat> the financing for the uh, Kulamalu project that uh, Grant Chun is supervising uh, there at, uh, with uh, Hale Mahaolu. A significant part of his financing was from the Weinberg Foundation, a private foundation. When Linda Munsell listed all the options for county financing sources, there was no private foundation money listed. And that's because private foundations will not give to the county. They will only give money to uh, private uh, uh, nonprofit developers. And so uh, maybe uh, Holly Mahaolu will uh, step up and expand itself. Maybe Catholic Charities is interested in coming over here. Maybe we can uh, foster our own. But we need uh, our own community development corporation here, uh, which is called a housing authority, which would literally be a nonprofit developer working with the county. County would acquire land lease it long-term to that um, uh, organization, and they would go out, get the private grants, get the, they have access to all the same federal, state, and county funds as uh, a county project would do, but they also have access to private foundation money. And I think there's a lot of social impact funding we could attract here in Maui uh, if we really formed an organization that was capable and uh, eager to do it. 
Great, Michael, thank you. Okay, our next speaker is Joe Pluta. Um, Joe Pluta is um, with the West Maui Taxpayers Association. Um, he's also a member of the West Maui CPAC. Um, he has basically been a licensed real estate broker in Hawaii since 1972. He's got 30 years of experience in real estate and the travel industry in Hawaii and has been devoted to a myriad of diversified positions. Joe? Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Thank you, everybody, for being here today. This is exciting to be all gathered together, working together towards a common goal. Uh, thanks for the introduction. I came to Maui 40 years ago, and I started... I was invited to join the Hona Kauai Nabili Kapalua Taxpayers Union is to start working with the community. And that was Jack Millar, I don't know if anybody, he developed in the Pili Kai Beach Club. So I, I joined, they put me in charge of, develop, of membership, and I said, well, you gotta change the name, West Maui Taxpayers, so let's bring all of West Maui. So I, 40 years ago, I started that, I'm still there. <laughs> but it's a nonprofit fighting for infrastructure improvements. We surveyed our West Maui community, saw all the needs we had, there was only one stoplight in West Maui then. <laughs> Things were a lot different. There's been a lot of changes. Uh, but we saw with the nonprofit and bringing uh, the community together with common goals, getting the community involved, what their needs were, what they felt was important, that together we could make a difference. And our biggest issue 40 years ago was affordable housing, <laughs> 40 years ago, traffic, 40 years ago, and health and safety, 40 years ago. Those are the top three. So what did we do? We built our own fire and ambulance station, never been done any time in the, count in the state of Hawaii ever before. We built it with private money. We worked together with the landowner, Maui Land and Pine. We got land donated. We used the value of that donated land and went out and got volunteers and the organizations to do work for free as volunteers, professionals. And we built our own fire and ambulance station. We even had to buy the fire, I mean the fire engine. I had a friend who was the fire chief in LA County. He sold me one of their used fire engines. <laughs> that's how we started. But that's never been done before. But that shows you what can be done. We gave it to the county of Maui to manage afterwards, and now it's been saving lives ever since. And that was an awesome thing. But that's what a private, public-private partnership can do. It's never been done again, but that doesn't mean we can't. We did the same thing. We built a, a skate park in West Maui with the National Park Service, the Lahaina Skate Park. Got the kids from skateboarding out in the streets getting killed or injured and causing accidents and now they got a place that's the most well-used park maybe there is in the west side uh, so public-private partnerships is something i've been doing for 40 years and it's, it's something that shouldn't be abandoned i think that same idea could be going forward but uh, i've been a member of the county 2020 community planning organization for the last 20 years i've been going to meetings once a month for 20 years and I know we've got a great plan there. There's a lot of things that can be done there that need to be done there. I'm now on the CPAC, hopefully getting a chance to do what's going to be necessary to be done in changing things. I like some of the ideas that have been coming up. I'm really looking forward to this event and participating. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Okay, our last speaker, certainly not least, is Bruce <laughs> He is the Hawaii Field Representative at the Hawaii Regional Council of Carpenters. Bruce joined the union in 1989. He served on the Maui Planning Commission and was the former president of Nahaleo Maui Community Land Trust. Bruce. Yeah, uh, just to correct you, I was vice president at the year ending Bathiku. Thank you very much. Uh, not as uh, uh, 
not as the expertise of some of the guys up here, but uh, I think that the, the thing I bring on to the table, again, Bruce Wu, lifelong resident here. And the difference would be, or well, maybe we have some, uh, uh, not indifferences, but the same engagement is, uh, we into community engagement. I was born and raised low income, so I understand about the stigma of growing up. You're low income, and as we talk about housing, and I was raised in a type of housing that people talk about and bring up about. Bruce O. Carpenter's Union, uh, and now we, we my, my job as a union rep is, uh, which is also working families, and I think the mayor said it best earlier, well, we need the livable wage, and that's the part we work on. We try to bring our kids similar to me, like myself, uh, uh, born in the housing communities we talk about, and give them the educational component part to become a tradesman. And we heard it earlier by uh, Will Spence saying his journeyman electrician son-in-law just left because he couldn't afford the standard of living on Maui. So our job, my job, my goal, I should say, my Bill's job is to educate our kids who are not taking that route to college, who are looking at an alternative way to make ends meet by a livable wage and a trade, attain a house here. No different than what I'm doing or no different what my mom doing, but although we understand that the, the times has changed and we saw the trend way to 2024, the housing will be at one point something million dollars. And when we say about community engagement, is it now or back then? Because now we know 52% of our housing here is bought from people out of state. The community I was raising in like, when I was born, and we go back seven generations, was different. So I, I tend to look at the people who are born and raised, and not to be racist or discriminatory, but to have a stake in a claim on a place that I call home. And we gotta stop the guys from leaving. How we do that? Educating. Build your own home. Help get engaged in the community like myself. No college degree. We just work hard every day. Put on our work pants, our work boots, provide, show up tomorrow. And as I hear people talk about building these communities, about how we're going to attain the communities and how people turn out, I tell you, the stigma of being raised in a low income housing is completely different than what people think. I meet my wife. And my father in law looked at me. He knew where from. Low income. Once I tell him where he live. Oh, it had housing. And I hear people on and on telling me, oh yeah, that's a good thing. No life experience in a low income housing. But they get an idea. One they never lived. Telling me what's good for me. I object to that. I find it appalling and insulting. And so, my mana'o is I'm here to engage and bring my mana'o to the table of my living experiences that goes back generations here to the table to share. And I thank you guys for inviting me. questions um, I've been asked to ask our panel speakers. 
And um, the first question is, with regard to community engagement, what are the challenges um, that you feel are hampering us from getting more affordable housing? With specific regard to community engagement. I've heard things such as more education needed, um, perhaps more engagement in and of itself, but with regard to what you've seen and experienced even in the last year, and you know, with the advent of social media, what, what do you guys feel are the challenges that you've had to deal with so far? Anybody can start. I can go ahead and start with that. Um, being that I've gone several times to testify for the um, you know, affordable housing, the situation that we have right now is that there's this mistrust when the word developer is used. So when I was running for office, I used the term home builders, just like we were using affordable, attainable, because what's happening right now is that they think that um, we, the community, the, you know, and it's like, they're trying to make money off of us. Who can afford a $700,000? Um, $700,000 um, new home, which is true. And I think what we need to do here again is to educate the, um, the, um, the people as to why the price of this home is the way it is right now. And, the, and of course, the county and the state, we're all trying to do something to make that become affordable. But because when you go testify in the council, it's always you have these people that's always out there. No, we want Maui to be Maui. And everybody stuck with that Maui to become Maui. And I think, again, going back to this educating the people as to why the price of the home is the way it is, I believe it's very important. It is time also that um, the home builders, you know, I mean, we go out there, we need to support them as well because they're the one that's taking a lot of risk for us to have a home. I mean, can you imagine just investing millions and millions of dollars and not knowing if you're gonna get your money back. That's what a lot of these people are doing out there, and I think it's time for us as well to speak up and see what we can do to help out, to ensure that the home that they want to be built for us will be actually be built, so. Great, thank you, Rick. Any other panel members that wanna to speak to? I hear mistrust, obviously, more education needed in terms of what it really takes to pencil out homes. Anybody else wanna comment on their experiences or challenges with community engagement? Uh, I would just like to say that I think taking one project at a time allows the opposition forces, the not-in-my-backyard people, to um, come out in force and often overwhelm the project. Whereas if you had a comprehensive plan that everybody had bought off on over time, you, you, wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be having that individual opposition to each project. You would have already engaged the community in where do you want the affordable housing to be? Where do you want the roads for it to be? And where do you want the parks and the schools to be? And, and you got to do that all ahead of time as part of a comprehensive plan, in my opinion. Thank you, Michael. Anybody else? Yeah, all yeah Jason. To, to tag on to a couple of those points regarding the comprehensive plan, I think one of the issues is that um, the, the county is looking to developers and saying, listen, what we really want is density. We want infill housing. Um, we don't want urban sprawl. Uh, then there are large portions of the community which have a completely polar opposite view of what they want. They want the sprawl because they want houses that look like traditional Maui houses. 
Um, they want everybody to be able to be able to have a yard. So, so you have developers uh, oftentimes getting mixed signals from the community and from the county as far as what type of housing is desired. So I, I think an overall community plan that, that lays it out would be great. Um, one of the other issues, though, is that mistrust of developers. And yeah, maybe it's, it's a little overblown, but by the same token, I think developers need to recognize that they've done a lot to earn that mistrust over the generations. Um, you know, the longer that we pretend that, that developers um, haven't earned some of the reputation, the worse it's going to be because, because we're all, you know, going to get accused of being in denial. Um, I was just at the, the UN World Habitat Day Summit that they have on the first Monday of every October now, um, and one of the developers was complaining about environmental regulation dealing with bats and how he didn't have full site control yet, and by the time he got site control, he wouldn't be able to cut down some trees um, that, that the bats were, were living in as part of their, their habitat. So he was, was bragging about how he figured out that he can't mow them down, but there's an attachment that he can get for a crane that doesn't count as mowing, so he was able to cut down these trees even though he didn't technically have full site control. And he told this story like it was, you know, he's so clever and developers are leading the charge to solve things. But then you have community groups that hear stories like this and they say, see, this is why we don't trust you. Um, so we, we need an open and honest opinion, and Maui is such a, an insular place, and Hawaii as a state is, that the moment developers start to do community outreach, real community outreach, their names start getting around and being repeated. So you have developers like Doug Bigley, who, you know, within a matter of months, his name is everywhere, and everybody's talking about how he's doing it the right way. And what's his secret? He goes out to the community. It really isn't that mysterious. Yes, you can go to community groups, but even just showing up places and talking to people, working with coalitions, building coalitions, come to the realtors. If you're a developer and you have a project and you want more community engagement, come to me and I'll get it out to all 1,700 of our members and they'll talk to their people who are interested in housing and we'll get people involved. But you need to be willing to take that first step and put yourself out there for the ridicule. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Um, any other comments on this before I go to the next? Um, okay, I'll jump down. Um, so what are some of the solutions? We've identified the challenges and what's people talked about in, in uh, the other room, there's a 49% of the people said that uh, they could never afford a home and 60% live paycheck to paycheck and and we're dealing with the people who have that mindset that it's, it's not for us and and I think the educational part is key and I think we all agree that education is key and I, I've, I've known people within, within my uh, the union were daughters that they could ever own a home. And they told me, I, I can never own one, you know? And and you gotta instill and go back and re-educate and tell them, no, it, it is. This 2.96, this 201H specifically states that it's for Hawaii residents, Maui residents. And I think we gotta go back and say, this project is for us. It's for Maui residents. Now, we can't control the 52% of auto homes being sold out of state, but the control we have is this part. This is the part where we got to get the engagement in. 
we got to engage in education for these particular type of homes that are coming to Maui, that the reason it's enacted is because of you. So we had the member who, who never believed he could own a home, never. Ran, we ran educational uh, uh, classes within, the, within our union, maybe 100 people showed up. And he now owns a home, the biggest disbeliever that he could never own one, now own one. We walked him through the process, got educated. This is what you need to do. This is your credit score you need to build. This is the process you need to follow. This is how it works. And now my niece got one, my sister got one. So you gotta start educating the daughters, but they gotta be able to take the time and convince them that this specific housing workforce, chapter 2.96, was created for us, the people of the Mar residents, preferred. I use them just like commandment school, preferred. So we like being the preferred people in applying to our houses and come back to us so we can stay here for generations to come. So Thank I think that's part of it. Anybody else have any ideas with regard to solutions? Yes, Dan. <coughs> I think the biggest solution for this community engagement is talking with each other. We haven't done that. And you know, as Jason mentioned, there is a concern in the community about developers because, you know, development seems to come right at you and you don't have any idea where these projects even started. Um, I would encourage the County of Maui to really look at maybe having community meetings maybe once a month on different subjects around the housing issue and 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 the economics issue, you know, the living living cost issue, uh, talking to the community, inviting them to their meetings in the various community areas, Lahaina, Makawao, whatever, telling them that uh, we are there for them, and that right now, if we go outside, as Bruce was mentioning, you know, a lot of the folks that I know are fearful of their government. They're scared. They're scared to even walk into the county building because they don't know how to act because they never got told how to act. So the county got to go back and say, why is this happening? We need to have the county go out to our people and said, you are part of us. We are part of you. Let's, let us talk story with each other. Stan, thank you. Um, yeah, Rick. I think Stan had said this earlier, especially for us on West Maui. The only time we see the, um, the county council or the mayor in West Maui during the budget hearing. And it would be nice, again, as part of the engagement and the, um, you know, educating the people, especially perhaps with the developer, to bring in the county, and especially to talk to us about what's, being, what's happening in Lahaina. You know, when you have a hearing from 9 to 5 on a Friday, and it's in Wailuku or Kahului, we, the people in Lahaina who's being affected the most, nobody can come to, to Kahului to testify on this hearing. And again, this is all part of, it's so important for all of us to, give, to be engaged, more so to be educated so that we can then communicate this with our friends. And for us, again, in Lahaina, we need people, the developers anyway, if it's affecting our community of Lahaina, come and educate us. Then maybe we'll be a lot more receptive 
to what is happening out there, as opposed to just watching it in a kaku a week later, and like, oh wow, something's happening in Lahaina. <laughs> so that's what I would you know, like to see more. No, thank you, thank you. Um, I want to ask this next question because many of you alluded to it in your talks and in the last panel we had on housing policy, this came up a bit, um, and that is political will. So I'd like to ask if any of the panel's uh, members, and then I'd like to toss this out to the audience, have any ideas on how to stop the talk and actually make this happen? Because a lot of times we are dealing with political will, lack of courage, or whatever, it, however it wants to be characterized, to really make some difficult decisions and tackle this. So if any of you panel members have ideas on how to address the idea of political will role in all of this, that'd be great. Yeah, someone. I'll take a stab at it. <laughs> so I attended last night's uh, forum, and uh, there's a lot of statistics that were brought up on the screens. A lot of the presentation that you saw today from the housing department, and Last night, the audience was a little bit different than what it is today, and it was actually the community who came out and looked at you know, the different statistics. And um, I don't remember exactly what statistic was brought up, but I was surrounded by people from the community, and they gasped. Their jaws dropped when they saw some of the statistics that were on the screen. And to go back to um, your question about what it will take to you know, have the political will to, to move housing forward, I think it's going to take you know, more education, like you said, you know, for more people to understand where we are in this crisis, and how do we get ourselves out of it? And I'm, I'm so grateful for this panel here today to discuss it because you know the county's really here to listen to all the solutions that are brought to the table. And if it takes just listening and going out to the community, I think that's something that we could actually look at and you know maybe have other separate meetings. Um, I know in our in our amen meetings, uh, one of the things that we stress and one of the things that Stan actually brought up as an idea earlier was to mandate that these developers, when they come up with projects, to have at least three community meetings and. When they come up, when they come to us at the all men meetings and they're sitting in front of all the department directors, you know, the department directors, they've been through these processes multiple times. And what they tell them is make sure you get out to this, these communities to, to listen to what they have to say and to listen to the community leaders and, you know, the people who work there. And so it's, it's not a lost point, Stan. We do do that. And, you know, if mandating it is one of your ideas, maybe we can look at that um, to see, you know, how it goes, but we are actively telling these developers to go out to the community and make sure that you have these meetings with the community leaders. So, you know, nothing, when it comes to council floor and community, community meeting floor, you know, they're not surprised by anything. They know what the issues are and they can address them well ahead of time, you know, before it's too late to make those changes. So, um, maybe that's my, my, my take on that. No, thank you, Samalu. Anybody else have comments? And I, I think what's been brought up in the last one and this one is this whole idea of lack of trust I think that's huge, and I can tell you the community planning process that it took us a good year, year and a half of having over like 80 meetings to really, and breaking it into smaller groups and user groups and so forth, you know, face to face to really grapple and deal with the trust. I think that's a huge role. Education's a huge role. But what about the politics? You know, how do we tackle the politics? Jason. So I've got two uh, points. One, uh, Will Spence brought up saying adopt standards to reduce discretionary review. Uh, so if we have clear outlines, clear standards that projects can follow and feel somewhat assured that they will be approved, then when you get the community groups that have all these well-intentioned, not-in-my-backyard ideas coming up and demanding that this project not go forward, then 
county council members can pull up these standards and say, listen, this is what you, your community, asked for. So, so this, is, this is the cover that they need. So, so that's one, provide political cover through those standards. Uh, two, increase the term length. So for a county council member, a, a length of two, two years uh, for their term. That means the moment they get elected, they are worried about getting reelected. Um, you know, just a couple weeks ago now, there was uh, a hearing in the county council chambers regarding the injection well issue. And you had people from the Sierra Club and you had Tina Wildberger, I think, even standing up there and saying, if you don't vote in line with us, then we're going to make sure that we don't endorse you for your election and you're going to have a hard time getting reelected. How do you expect there to be any political will when the mob is standing at your front door saying you better do what we want or else? So does that mean that we elected them for their knowledge, for their wisdom to lead us? No. We elected them because we feel like we can bully them and, and make sure that they do what, what the mob wants them to do. So if you increase the terms from two years to four years, maybe that'll clear it up. Maybe it'll provide some room for people to, to breathe and actually lead like they were elected to do instead of being bullied. Thank you. Great. Michael. Yeah. Uh, on the question of uh, developer trust, if you look at the statistics that uh, Linda Munsell showed, uh, I guess more than once this week, uh, about 75% of all the affordable homes we need to build are in the 80% and below uh, AMI range. And private developers are not going to do that uh, unless they got tremendous subsidies from the county. That's why we need uh, public housing authority or a community development corporation here, which would be locally based, its board would be here, its um, its executives would be here, its all its workers would be here, um, and it's a nonprofit. And I believe you will eliminate a lot of this mistrust of development if you have a local community development corporation nonprofit that's going to build several thousand homes around here. Um, that's and. Uh, Tasha Kama had a wonderful uh, committee meeting in August on this subject, um, and I have summarized it. It's a, it's a summary of the transcript. The transcript of that meeting is available online, but um, I brought 30 copies of that too. It explains, just summarizing what the experts she brought in had to say about why we need a community development corporation or a public housing authority here, which we do not have right now. If I, if I just may, uh, for one of the points that um, Jason made earlier about having community standards, I think the community also has to understand what developers are able to produce and, and be able to provide for the market as well, because it goes both ways, right? The community can say everything that they want, but if the developer can't provide that, then what are we left with? Are we meeting the needs of our housing? Um, of our housing? So that's just one thing I threw out there, that if we're going to do education for the community, we should also do it for the developers that we're on. Find the, find the way, the common ground that both of them can meet in the middle somehow. Thank you, Brett. So going back into this um, political will, I think it all goes back to our community, we the voters. I hope everybody in this room actually went out there and voted. Because what's happening right now is that um, we have the lowest, especially for us in West Maui, we have the lowest voter turnout. And a lot of this, this apathy whereby, well, oh, they're not going to listen to us anyway. Because if you really look at it, for how every, every election, everybody's talking about affordable housing. You know, you have a council member who basically said, enough with the talk, and then you vote no on it. I mean, this is the problem. So we here in this room 
need to hold our elected officials accountable and let them know, hey, you know, you guys been talking about affordable housing. What exactly is your plan other than saying we are going to build affordable housing? And everything, you know, there are some, I'm sure there's a lot of ideas that were presented today. There's a lot of people that would like to work with this, um, you know, with the um, home builders, with the council members and all that. But it is so difficult when you go out there. I mean, I, I have friends who's afraid to testify out there in the council member because it's almost like war out there. And so, you know, they're sitting there and they're like, oh, are you going to testify? They're looking at it. And I'm going to go back to Lahaina and testify? No, I don't think so. But it is important, again, though, that we go back, educate the people before it even gets there to the council where everything just like, oh, why am I only finding this out now? And then it becomes war. And then their neighbors and they're shouting at each other because, you know, one person might not know all the, um, you know, the real story. But the fact of the matter is that whoever a lot of times scream the loudest, it's almost like, that's the one that's the final decision. So anyway, that's all that I have to say on that. Okay, um, we can have a couple of responses from the audience. Yes. Um, I do like what um, Councilmember Molina wants to do, which is separate the housing and the human concerns. Maybe the human concerns department could head this up, but we should be utilizing, and you mentioned social media, as a way of getting community involvement. Because like you were saying earlier, Rick, I'm supposed to be at work right now. I'm not supposed to be here, but this is really important to me and I have a voice and I want to be able to voice my opinion on what should be done and what should be done in my community. And so an easy way to do that would be through that social media and also you could do kind of like a Yelp where people can say, I do support, I don't support. But if you don't support, you can't just say I don't support, what do you support? Or what is an alternate solution that you can propose to the housing situation? Because it's easy to say no, we have this conversation, it's easy to say no, it's difficult to say yes, because that opens up the possibilities. I look at you folks up there, you guys are a bunch of dots, right? For the problem, to solve the problem, but we need to connect the dots, right? How often do you guys get a chance to meet together and have this conversation? You know, even, even regarding having the community involvement, <coughs> we all get involved in, <coughs> Um, private and public partnerships. We also need to increase our wages, absolutely, so people aren't working two jobs. Because by the time you get home and you work two jobs, you're gonna take care of the kids. How are you gonna have time to watch council member meetings or akaku or even, you know, it has to be fast and easy these days. So utilizing your social media is gonna help you guys to do that. Um, and you have to make it easier for developers. It can't all be placed on them. Like, we're going to put all the onus on you to come up with the funding for this development to solve our community issues. No, the community also has to be involved with helping to build. Build it out. Like, build your own home. I can't just say, like, oh, I can't afford it. Woe is me. I'm going to cry. But what am I going to do about it as an individual to help and help my community to actually build out these homes? Great. Thank you. Um, yes? Um, I, I was at the first um, uh, workshop, and then this is the second workshop I'm at. I'm, I'm very, I represent the disability community. Many of my clients are, is not able to attend because um, they were never, I mean, they could be invited, but they can't afford to be here. And many of my clients um, share their concerns and their needs, and they're, they, they've been, um, They've been heard, but they've never been approached, and I feel they're missing in this 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 group right here. Um, I met a young boy, 31 years old, in a long-term care institution, 
And the only reason he's there is because there's no housing for him. So many of my clients face many challenges. A lot of times, <coughs> people that are not disabled speak up for them. But we need to hear them because there is a great need for these individuals. Great, thank you. Um, we have 10 minutes. So I want to ask this question, and then with both the panelists and the audience, you guys have mentioned challenges, you guys have mentioned solutions. Um, what do you think, though, are the three best solutions that you can most easily tackle, at least in the short term, like right now, that would make a measurable difference? If I could have some of you please answer that, and then I'd like to ask the audience to comment. Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think comprehensive zoning will be one. Uh, as far as your uh, question, that will be one. And again, I always go back to education. And, uh, you know, we, we get this NIMBY movement, which is a big movement. And a lot of projects basically get shut down or get held up where the carrying costs is no longer. Uh, doable or attainable. Uh, you cannot tame uh, affordable housing when you give a lawsuit that lasts for seven years. It's, it's not attainable. It's unattainable. So the, the NIMBYs who come out at times and they say, uh, one example is Haiku, uh, you know, the soil is contaminated, uh, our school is overcrowded, uh, the water capacity is to the max, the, the wastewater is to the max, the traffic is it's an all-time high. And yet the housing, in the, the study said housing is the number one thing that people talk about but on the council floor gets left behind because everybody running on traffic. Yeah. And if done right, if done right, we're going to get the same traffic capacity because it's going to be for re residents. We're going to have the same sewer capacity because it's for residents. And all we're doing is removing people, relocating people, and the people complaining about the contaminated soil that they're concerned about the new subdivision to be built on, which abuts, abuts the very one who complaining, yeah. is hypocritical. And that's why I said the 52% of the people moving at times, those are the NIMBYs. They're coming out against the projects they have and they have not. And I always seen that growing up. I was once that guy who going to protest because I always thought we don't have until you got educated, sit on the planning commission and watch this unfold until they give you that Alice study that we're seeing there. So we should be playing that for all our kids to look at the reality of what is happening and not the false social media, Facebook texts that you're hearing from other people that we don't want leaving the, the other guys coming whether we like it or not. And, uh, I think that's the part where we miss it, the educational component along with understanding that housing is number one concern and not everything else fall behind there. That's my manual. Thanks, Bruce. Stan. I've said it before, I think Rick has said it. Um, we need to open up this process. It has to be a dialogue. We need to have a dialogue with the community, with our government agencies, too many things are hidden from people. Nani talked about the disabled community, seniors. People are left out. And we got to bring, bring in the process where there can be trust because there's conversations going on. And 
How we do that, I'm not sure, but we need to do it. And for me, it's that simple. Thank you, Stan. Okay, anybody else on the panel? Uh, Michael, and then I'm going to go to the audience. Yeah. Uh, just uh, being asked for three ideas. Uh, the three ideas I brought here today are we need a comprehensive plan. It'll take about a year to get that done. Uh, we need a separate housing department. That'll take about a year to get done. It, won't, it has to pass next November. And we need a public housing authority, which will probably take about a year to get up and running. So if you get the plan going and it's ready by the end of next year, then you'll have your new housing department and your new housing authority ready to implement the plan. Okay, does anybody in the audience have ideas that have not been mentioned? Um, okay, Joe? You. Oh, okay. Hey, Joe. Uh, uh, <laughs> right now. Uh, first of all, thank you. And great ideas. Uh, I like Stan's idea, but maybe take it one step further, which is have the developer do monthly or a meeting every six weeks to let people know what's going on. Because I've been to meetings where I've heard people say, and there have been a lot of meetings uh, about a project, and I've heard someone say, well, yeah, but those meetings all happened before I moved here. So I don't care about those meetings. All right? So Stan, remember that. You know, we all have to say the same prayer at the same time, um, and we're not doing it. So I, I like everything we're saying. In terms of studies, come on, we've had enough studies. Study this, study my whatever. We know what the problem is. We don't need another damn study, another three years and all that. We need something now. So I would say study, great, take it to the college, let a grad student do it, okay? But one thing that seems to me is when we hear people talk about the problems and the issues, it's almost as if Maui doesn't believe in itself anymore. Of course there are problems. Of course these things will occur. Of course there will be challenges. But Maui has always succeeded because it believed in itself. And it seems to me that somehow or other, that's getting lost in the conversation. Okay? I like extending the, uh, uh, the, the terms of office. I'm very pleased to hear someone from the conservative realtors say increased wages. Yeah, wages are too doggone low and they got, they got to come up. But underlying everything that I hear is as if we don't believe in ourselves anymore. We don't believe that we can solve these problems. And that's what I'm really concerned about, is that hollowing out. Because if you don't believe, you won't see it. Great. Awesome. Thank I would you. like to... Sure, Jason, go ahead. So, why should we believe in ourselves? Um, and I know that sounds like a, a really negative question, but we're in this, this issue. We've had the same problems for 40 years. Maybe we believed in ourselves too much for too long, and we thought that this problem was going to be resolved. So. We, we have accomplished great things with, uh, you know, uh, Dream City and other kinds of things. Things have been accomplished, okay? But the reason we might have forgotten that dream is because people will say, well, look, everything that's being built is not for me. So why should I care about it? My, okay. my issue is the, the believing in yourself thing. Um, I think that might lead to more problems in the long run because this idea of, oh, we just need to believe in ourselves, it ignores the real economic issues that people in my generation face. I mean, me believing in myself um, and, and somebody in my not generation in believing in themselves not is in not going to get them qualified not for a loan. yourself as an individual, but okay. believing in the community, <clears throat> believing that it has the strength and the resilience to overcome its problems. 
believing in Maui. Okay, and Maui's history teaches us that we can overcome any problem and improve our lives. Not as an individual. That's the mistake. As a community. Okay, I'm gonna... Just one, just one last thing on this, um, as far as believing in the community. It all goes back into educating the community. Because without that education and just hearing all these things, it's not happening, so we need to get them engaged as well. And I wish we had more people, like you said earlier, so thank you. Okay, sir, go ahead. Um, well, we're, the developers are a central part of this conversation, and over the years, the developers have been, they've made trade-offs. You build this much affordable, you do this. It really hasn't worked, and that's why we're where we are. So I, I really want to support the idea of having a community uh, group that is in charge of building the affordable things as a nonprofit group. I think that's essential. Otherwise, we're going to be just right where we are. Okay, thank you for your comments. Um, okay, how? And then. Okay, I just. Two things. Offended. There's all males up there. <laughs> so that's offensive. The other thing is, you use education, education, education which means our people are stupid, stupid, stupid. That's wrong. The other E is engagement. And the only, and the fact that we're talking engagement now is too late. It should have happened before we got to this part about, oh, we gotta engage the community. You erase a lot of things that the community tells you. That's where you feel the pulse, whether they like this guy houses or not, whether they even need or not. That has to happen before you come out to them with a project that you like them say yes or no. So we're too late, bro. We're coming after, you know, we're like that. But the fact that we recognize and realize that is A plus. You need it one more, you need Yes. That's definitely true. Um, but uh, so my name is Matt, so I'm with Habitat for Humanity. and. Um, the topic of education, I think, is really important um, down the, across the spectrum of, of this whole issue. But I wanted to make sure that people knew that specifically when it comes to preparing low-income people for become homeowner ready and to understand what um, your credit score actually means, how they can have a long-term impact on your financial self-sustainability, um, Habitat does have a homeowner and financial literacy course that's required for all of our um, partner homeowners, but it's available to the general public. Um, we had a grant uh, through OHA to um, uh, provide it for free to Native Hawaiians. We'll waive the cost for very low income residents, and it really goes, these are learnable skills that anybody um, can, ex you know, learn and, and, and implement in their lives, and it, it's uh, very true, the population that I'm seeing, low income um, people, they weren't taught this. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't, absolutely it doesn't mean that, that, that you're stupid. It just means that you weren't given this knowledge to better your, uh, your, better your own situation. And so I just want to let people know that that's a resource out there. If you can share that with uh, the rest of the community. Um, we're doing it right now for Kamehameha schools um, to do it at the high school level. So people coming out of high school are prepared to know how these impacts um, really affect I mean, you. I just want to say that I didn't say stupid, stupid, but when you keep saying that I gotta educate you, that's the, con the you know what the conception is, and the fact is engagement is the other number that that, that E that is we're, we're going to do. I sit on I, I serve on uh, HCA, 
we totally know all of the stuff that has to happen to capacitize your, in, your engagement and your communities. That's where it's at. Okay, just a couple more. Don, and then... Yeah, community engagement is, is all is very good. Jeff, be careful. We have two projects that had community engagement starting in 2005. One that went in about 2005, and another one that started a little bit later. One passed, but it took 10 to 12 years. Mike Atherton. That was community engagement, but it was 12 years of community engagement. Another one didn't pass. It was the Oluwalu. They had 12 years and Biden. But it was the people who came later who said, no, I wasn't involved in that discussion. We don't want it, and that's what killed it. So you've got it. It's good to have community engagement, but you've got to have some sort of constraints, not necessarily constraints, but some parameters. Like the county or a nonprofit should oversee or run it. That's like a third party that's going to control right. what's going to be put on there. But I think it's like, okay, I've, we're almost done. And you, please, I'm sorry, I don't know your name. That's, my name's Kristen, okay, and I'm representing EAH Housing. We're a nonprofit organization. We also develop here in the state of Hawaii, as well as our home office in California, San Rafael. Just wanted, Rick, what you said, I wanted, I wanted to, Rick, Max, 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 sorry. Um, what he was saying, we we're talking about education. Absolutely. If, I, I, we, I think before we're looking at families moving into homes, their first homes, is they've got to first get into maybe affordable rental housing. And part of that, we run credit screenings. <laughs> we run criminal backgrounds. And this is, you know, very reasonable rents. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing families transition from low-income housing to their first home. It's awesome. And to, even to hear that Kamehameha Schools is, have these courses that young kids, young children can participate in, it should be offered in all of the high schools. <laughs> so it's just it's just a matter of, again, educating the people coming out. It's, it's, it's daily we're having to reject people and that's a real that's a real number unfortunately we have to but it's so yes I think what you said Jason at the very beginning when you introduced yourself the economic part of it is so important because if they can't even get into rental housing based on basic criteria we can't expect them to get into their homes I'm going to end with Pam, are we almost, I'd like to end with Bruce, if we could just end with Bruce and then, then we'll go. And I, 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 I don't mean educate, I, I think engagement can be a form of education and I would never say that uh, or, or imply that uh, people are, you know, stupid, they're, they're stupid, but, but the parties, here's an example, 700 people applied for Kawa, uh, not Kawahini, Kabalani, 700 applicants. And, and the part where we got to take this into the school now is because under 20 got qualified. Yeah. Mm. So you can, that, that's the will that comes with the will, but that comes with the engagement. And part of the engagement is the education. And part of the education is hopefully we can turn out the outcome from the 700 to more than the 20. Yeah. So. Okay, great. I'd like to thank all of our speakers very much. Thank you.